another edition of the Boogecast does recap of AEW. I am your host, AEW correspondent Elvis Dolinsky. I'm here to kick off this week. And ladies and gentlemen, I know it's been a long time. All my hungry little birds out there are like, 
Elvis, please feed us more knowledge. Please tell us more about the results. What's happening in the world of AEW? I haven't known what's going on in AEW in the past four weeks. I'm supposed to catch up. I don't have time to watch wrestling. I got so much different things. My little kitties. There's spoilers out there. But you know what, though? I know you want to hear my melodious voice. But you know I can't do this alone. I did bring a friend along. He's small. He's got a bald head. He once almost ate a whole car. He actually, uh, his name's on the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, my co-host, the one and only, the fearless leader, Benny Boche. What's up, everybody? The Booch is here for AEW Dynamite. And um, Elvis is probably happy that I am here because he likes to he likes to have uh, somebody to banter with when he talks about AEW. But um, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, Elvis has been telling me all day how awesome this show is. I'm going to keep it real with y'all like I always do. I'm about 50-50 on this show based on what I've seen. And uh, we're going to get into the parts that Vinny liked. You just hate good things. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I hate things that suck. And there were some moments that sucked. But there were great moments as well. And like always, we had I, I dug through some crap to find a treasure. The only difference is, unlike previous AEW episodes in the past, there was more treasure than crap. So I will, I will admit that. Oh, I love treasure. Yeah. Well, I love treasure. Exactly. So we will find the treasure. And I will point out the treasure. And I will point out the crap. Because that's what I'm here to do. Well, let's kick off this thing. Let's, uh, how they say in the business, let's fuck this pig. Let's get this thing done correctly. Um, obviously, tonight's show comes around from uh, the Boston. Um, I think it's called the Aganas Arena. Um, they previewed. They had a couple little things out there. We had CM Punk versus Bobby Fish um, in a world title eliminator match. Hikiru Shida versus Serena Deeb. Uh, Sammy Guevara defends his TNT championship against Ethan Page. And, of course, our main event's going to be the Elite versus the Dark Order. So let's start things off. And if you know me, and you boys love boy you guys know me you guys know me way too well because you know what i say about every stinking first match in AEW. it's always a banger and boy oh boy did we get a banger for this week we had bobby fish versus cm punk and um i gotta say this bobby fish dude i love that man and the fact i i never thought i wanted to see a bobby fish versus cm punk match more than anything else in my whole life and this one did not disappoint this is one for all the uh i'm gonna say for the vinnies out there this is an old school match I mean, it was fantastic. It's telling a story of uh, CM Punk. Yeah, he's on this hot little wave. He came back, got a lot of big buzz, got some ratings in, trying to change some things in wrestling. And, uh, you know, you know that's over now. You know, the, the presentation, he came in. Everybody excited to see him. Everybody's screaming to see CM Punk, and they're still doing it. That's gone. What's he going to do with it now? So I think they're telling a narrative right now that he's a guy who's been out for about, you know, five, seven years, um, coming back, trying to hang with, like, uh, the younger talents. And uh, he's making his way through the ranks, and uh, they're trying to tell a story of uh, this guy who's been out for about seven years, uh, keep up with the uh, younger crowd, or for at least for the people who's been doing this uh, consistently week in, week out. Um, Bobby Fish, I mean, you know, it sucks that he left WWE. I think uh, the whole Undisputed thing, whatever, in NXT was fantastic, but uh, seeing him by himself here in AEW kicking things off with CM Punk was a positive in my eyes. I thought it was fantastic. Um, what do you think about this one? Me? This was exactly the match that Bobby Fish needed because uh, we're gonna, I know this is AEW, but we're going to take a little stroll down NXT memory lane for just a moment because we need to. Those of you who remember the Undisputed Era, you remember how dominant they were, but you also remember one thing. Bobby Fish was basically the tag-along little brother of the Undisputed Era. You rarely saw him in singles action. 
He was a tag team champion with Kyle O'Reilly, and he got injured so many times, he was never really able to exercise his true potential in NXT. So while it was shocking that they released him when it looked like he was going to get a good singles push at the same time, I can't be too mad at WWE, and the truth is, y'all can't either. Bobby Fish was not producing in NXT. So when he let go, he was let go, he was one of those guys that was like, eh... It it, it made sense. This was the match that Bobby Fish needed to show people that he is still relevant, that he can still work, and that he is still a force to be reckoned with in this business. Now, yes, CM Punk won this match. That was a given. Punk's not losing anytime soon. If you think he is, you're delusional. He's not losing, and if he does lose, it's going to be on pay-per-view, or better be, and it's going to be to a guy who's going to be the next big star, or better be. With, with AEW, you never know. But that's the way it should go if Punk's ever going to lose. But Bobby Fish had something to prove in this match, and he proved it. Now, the only thing I want to make sure is Bobby Fish is going to be smart. Don't do anything stupid. Don't do shit you don't know how to do just to get a cheap pop. And don't risk injuring yourself again. Bobby Fish needs to stay healthy so he can get consistent wins under his belt. Because if, if he gets injured again, it'll kill whatever momentum he's got. Don't believe me? Go look at Classic NXT. Because Bobby Fish getting injured, he's never come back from it successfully. So he needs to stay focused. He needs to stay healthy. And he needs to wrestle smart like he did in this match with Punk. I thought this was a very well done, very great match from both competitors. It's what wrestling is supposed to be. Spots at the right time, done by people who know how to do them. This was a work of art. This was a banger for sure. I mean, uh, CM Punk again, they're telling a narrative like fest's over. Not really love fest, like the homecoming's over, right? Or the honeymoon's over, right? That's honeymoon what people period. like yes, to the go. Honeymoon period. You know, CM Punk comes out there and I call him CM Trunks. He was wearing his pants today. Uh, he was wearing his <laughs> pants yesterday. He wasn't wearing he wasn't wearing his underoos. He was wearing his pants. So it's CM Trunks. So every time you see him in pants, just remember he's underoos, he's CM Punk. So he's still in the best of the world regardless. Um, but I like the narrative they're cutting on this one about, you know, you know, losing a step and, you know, uh, you know, barely, cause the thing is he hit the GTS he did, but like, it was like a slow time to get there. I mean, Bobby fish kicked out at 3.2. It was that damn close. So with CM Punk, you know, getting this win and it was a great match. I mean, I'm telling you, AEW, when it comes to getting matches, they don't start off with like a 20 minute promo or they don't start with something stupid. No, they start off right. I'm not sure how long it's been going on. At least six months for sure. They've been doing this right. So every week it's like the main events and you know, like the very first match. And it's almost like, it's almost more important to be the beginning match than the end. Now the end is more for like narrative and the beginning match is just a fucking match and CM Punk. That's all it was. It was fucking amazing. It was fucking amazing. So uh, CM Punk, all the power to you, man. You're doing great um you know i'm just glad to see him back in the wrestling ring i'm glad to see bobby fish and you're absolutely right bobby fish needed his ring i did this um this match and even in loss bobby fish did not look weak he looked great he in this match i agree i totally agree and that's why i said and after that we cut to a promo i'm sorry go ahead no i was gonna say that that was the point i was trying to make like i knew at any time punk's in the ring i know he's gonna win so but so but fish needed to show this match to show that he could take anybody to the limit so even in defeat bobby fish looked good but i'm sorry go on 
You know, am I lie to you, man? I, I, I would, I'll be, I'll be glad to take uh, Kyle O'Reilly back from uh, NXT because I remember months ago we just we we speculated about Adam Cole or any of those people coming to our side. I never thought in a million a billion years that Adam Cole would come to us because I even said it like I think when we were doing like a super show with John at one point and we said you know as much as I'd love to have Adam Cole because he'd be great on AEW, a WWE needs him right and. I was like, my God, I can't believe Adam Cole we got Bobby Fish. Call Riley, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. But none, that's that's another story for a different time. But um, I'm just glad to see Bobby Fish. He looks amazing. That Imagine the dream matches he could have with other people, which imagine having matches you didn't know you wanted. Bobby Fish is going to provide that for you week in, week out when he's on TV. So I can't wait. Absolutely. I can't either. And uh, so uh, what happens next? Um, oh, so then we have uh, Malachi Black. Um, he's in the back, obviously, you know, with the little smoke and the mirrors and a dark room out there, and he cuts a promo, and man, this promo is freaking awesome. He goes out there, and he says, like, uh, hey, Cody Rhodes' whole family lose faith in him. He split the Nightmare family in half. He made the whole crowd hate him. I was like, but do you think if this is about pinfalls? Think again. The house always wins. How Malachi Black has not been on a bigger role ever since he came back on AEW. He was good in NXT. The main roster destroyed him. And he comes to AEW day one. The most interesting character in all professional wrestling. I love Malachi Black. That promo was gold. I loved it. There's like three hands up if I had three hands. He actually said the house always wins. The house always wins. Yes. Wow. Stole a line from an NXT up-and-comer. Shame. Who's the up and comer? Oh, there's this guy. Um, they're they're they were building vignettes for him, and he's. It doesn't camp- matter what his name is. Malachi Black said it first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that that's fucked up, Malachi. That's fucked up. But anyway, I do like the fact that he justifies like I had to take Cody to the limit. This wasn't about a pin. I'm not done with the Nightmare Family. I like that. Because it allows him to say, "All right, yeah, you beat me, but you had to go to you had to go you had to do things you would never do to beat me. I had so it's like it's like he it's like Cody won the physical game, Malachi won the mental game. I like the way that promo was done. Aside from stealing the line from the NXT guy, I'm like, dude, get your own fucking catchphrase. That's all I'm gonna say. But that's my only gripe. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, like you know, it's that's that's not that's not really um that's not registered. That's not trademarked. Trademarks, you know. So it doesn't matter. I don't think. I don't think Malachi Black's watching uh, NXT and be like, okay, we got to do something that's close. No, Malachi Black's his own man. And it, it probably got more over with Malachi Black than – what was the other guy's name again? <laughs> Sad part is all – Save, Vinny. What's, his guy, what, what's the guy from NXT's name? I think it's like Duke. I can't remember off the top of my head. That's a sad part. It fucking matter because you can't even say his fucking name. <laughs> I know that I literally realized that after I said it, like crap, I can't remember his name. I'm not gonna win this debate. Cause you can't win because the house of black always wins. So I'm just saying. Wow. Next segment we have Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, that was a match, or if you could call it that, I'll use and oh now also one of your little verbiage from NXT. It's a match, or we can even say that. Um, Maxwell Jacob Friedman fought this guy named Bryce Donovan, who kind of looked like. Have you watched Heels yet? Uh, I've I've seen clips of it, but never a full episode. So you have um the guy who plays Archer, what's his name again? Stephen Mel, right? Yeah. Um, and then you have the brother. I swear to God, um, Bryce Donovan looks like the brother of um 
uh, fucking Stephen Amell in a TV show, except like, the ba- he looks like the baby face. Or, I don't know, whatever. But he kind of looked like him. I'm like, oh, that's. The, I'm like, is that? The, he's the baby face. Yeah, whatever. But you know, yeah. spoiler alert: in the TV show, he goes heel for a bit too. Nonetheless, um, uh, he wins. He wins with the Heat Seeker. He wins like in no time. He flattens up no time soon. So kind of love MJF, man, because he is the fucking best. I mean, he truly is. This I want to read this verbatim. I usually don't like reading verbatim shit, whatever. But love this. Listen to this. If gets on a mic, runs on the town. He says, uh, "Pitting shoulders on mats and banging rats is what he does best." <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I if love the that line. That's the. He wrote it again, saying, "Pitting shoulders on mats, banging rats is what he does best." He's going to have to skip the rest night because he's ready to shove his junk in a blunder than go anywhere near your disgusting fat women here in Boston. Boom. Done. And then he goes like, he doesn't impress me fucking your mom. Oh, hada, MGF, hada, hada. <laughs> it was the best. He goes like, yeah, yeah, Maxwell, hada, hada. Like the, like the worst like Boston that you could think of. Yeah. It was, it was like entertaining thing ever. I'm like, dude, you're great. Then he sits there and he shut. He runs down fucking Darby Allen. Um, he goes like, you know, once I run down Darby Allen, I'm next in line to be world champion because of my record. Blah blah blah, whatever. He goes like, yeah, uh, Darby Allen couldn't be here tonight because he's too scared. He knocked a uh, old granddad sting because he likes to call him his father. I think everybody on the internet does too. Um, he knocked him out with this beautiful diamond ring that he got two years ago. And who's the person that he beat for it? That's right. Adam Page for that. Yes. So he, he, he references a couple things. He's planting a couple seeds. And all of a sudden, everything fades to black. You hear Sting's music. Everybody's freaking out. Everybody's freaking out. What happens? There's no Sting. It was just a rib. Nothing's, no, no, nothing's going on. It was just a rib. I forget from MJF. He's like on a floor rolling. Like he's literally like floor laughing. That's exactly what he fucking did. And then uh, the lights really do go out this time. And you see Sting. And then uh, I thought it was a pretty good set- segment. I think the the beginning of the promo was awesome. The fake out from not having Sting there and eventually Sting hanging out, I'm coming in there, um, and then obviously Sting laying a waste of fucking Wardlow and Sean Spears, which it was great to see Sean Spears because he's one of my favorites. He's a Canadian god. And then uh, when he was running out, though, you had Darby Allen dressed like the Invisible Man in the audience and sneak attack on MJF. I thought it was fucking great. And then what, what did Darby do? Attacks and hits the back of Wardlow. Jesus Christ. Alan gets in the mic and he challenges MJF to a match of full gear. Segment was fucking chef's kiss. Fantastic. From start to finish, from beating up uh, Bryce and Donovan. uh, And here's the thing. Every single move MJF did in that match was done in a way that looked believable. Even the heat-seeking thing when he posed for a while, it was believable because he had his knee, you could clearly tell his head, his legs were crushing his head together. So it was impossible for the guy to move. So everything looked believable in that match. And then the promo was fire. Loved it. MJF finds new and unique ways to piss people off in ways that I think even makes Gator jealous. And then Darby well, Allen comes I out. I agree. I agree. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. So then Darby Allen comes out. Okay, he's doing his thing. It's great. Even the skateboard with the tax worked. It was great. Everything was done very well. Wardlow and Spears get beat down as well they should. He doesn't get his hands. He gets to hit a couple shots on MJF, but nothing too brutal because you want to save the brutality for full gear, which is what I was hoping they would do. So now Darby Allen laid waste to the to the lackeys, and now at full gear, he wants MJF. Now you're going to make people pay to see it. That is how you draw money. They get the fight on TV, like a little scuffle, but you let them pay to see the big fight. 
And, like, you know, MJF's credit, though, and here's the thing, too. Nowadays, everybody gets butthurt about everything, too. But there's something special about that kid. And let me tell you why. Because he has to be the extra conniving, the extra witty, the extra oomph. Because, let's face it, he's the pillar of AEW. Do you know what the four pillars of AEW is? He he mentioned them. It's MJF. Want to take a guess? Uh, yeah, it's MJF, uh, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy. I don't know who the other one is. Sammy Guevara. Sam, yeah, Sammy G. Yeah, that. So those are the those are the pillars of AEW. So those are the future. Although we have like a lot of great stars and a lot more. So if you listen to the variety show whenever it comes out, or I'm not sure it came out before this or whatever. I don't know. Um, it'll probably be after. Um, we have a lot of talent coming in, a lot more talent coming in. But the four pillars, those are going to be a test and try. Unless death happens or something stupid happens, um, those are the four pillars: Jungle Boy, Darby Allen, Sammy G, and uh, MJF. I mean that's the pillars right there and for him he's gonna he's gonna be extra conniving extra cunning extra witty extra douchebaggery because i've never seen this style or this type of heat but done so well and i don't think ever yeah i mean it's this is very well done i mean i don't really i mean i'm looking at i don't know if i would necessarily call darby allen a pillar uh but it's definitely making a good story for him and mjf um well, I mean, what is not necessarily like the, the feud between Darby Allen and MJF. I'm saying like, so if you're to bring those four characters, so let's just talk about them for a second. You have MJF, Jungle Boy, um, Darby Allen, and Sammy G. They all bring a different scope to the company. So it just seems like their style that they bring out, though, is like the pillars of AEW. That's the basis of it. You'll have other pieces to kind of hang on to it, but whatever. But the same token, those are the four pillars that it's going to be holding that company up for the next 10, 15 years. Um, Sammy G is very young. Darby Allen, very young. MJF, very, like all these people are very young and so talented beyond their years. I know for sure. I know, I know you're not really crazy about the flippy floppy, whatever. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people who are like that too. And I'm not going to give any disrespect because there's no point to it. I mean, that's a, that's a wasted afterthought, but those are the pillars that's holding up the company. And uh, I just can't wait for, you, for these people to grow because we have so much young talent and uh, we have all the talent from across the world coming here. And it's just going to be an interesting time to see what happens within like, it's only been two years. Imagine in five, 10 years. It's gonna be amazing. I'm excited. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm I'm just fanboying out here, folks. I'm sorry. It's all good. All right. So uh, where do we go after? Where do we go from here? Oh yeah. After the commercial break, we had uh, uh Britt Baker DMDs being interviewed by Tony Schiavone. Uh, Tony informs us that she'll be in a trick or treat match against Abaddon on Rampage this week because apparently she had a match against Abaddon on the Jericho Cruise and she just walked out. She's like, nah, fuck it, I'm done. Um, there'll be no disqualification, obviously. And if Abaddon wins, she will get a title shot. Otherwise, uh, Abaddon can go pound some sand yeah um okay i see a lot of things wrong with this interview um first of all she walked out on a match that took place on a cruise ship yep what's your comments about that it's a cruise ship how the fuck to what yeah the jericho cruise abaddon i i I know what the i know it's the jericho cruise what i'm saying is how do you just decide chris jericho is right yeah i know who chris jericho is you sure because it sounds like you don't no, what I'm trying. No, what I don't. What I don't understand is how do you decide on a cruise ship? Like, oh, I'm not gonna wrestle. Abaddon didn't think. Oh, gee, you're trapped on a cruise ship. Chase the bitch. Throw her ass in the ring. Oh, I'm just gonna leave and go to my cabin. Like, no, 
I can understand walking out on a match in an arena. You can get in a car. You can drive miles away. On a ship, you're trapped on a goddamn boat. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. Uh, you know, Britt Baker is a champion, and she walked out on a match that people paid hard-earned cash to watch on a cruise. Now, don't get me wrong. It's a booze cruise. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's doing whatever, though. But she walked away from opportunity for those special fans. When she walked away, Tony's like, nah. I mean, I know it's a booze cruise. I know it's a Jericho cruise, music, wrestling, um, drinking, games, whatever. But you're still AEW champion. You still have the hell of responsibility. So the fact that you walked out gives her a chance to uh, earn a spot at the top shot, top title. So uh, looks like, um, you know, when Rampage comes around, by the time I record this, um, it'll be tomorrow. By the time you listen to it, it'll be tonight. And if you listen to it after Friday, it will be uh, already played. So you already know the results. So never mind. Wow. Okay. So that's that's the first thing. Second thing. Um. So apparently they're saying that Britt Baker is supposed to defend the title at full gear, though. They, I can't remember who she's facing. Is she facing Sheeta or something? Uh, ain't she supposed to be facing somebody else at full gear? If hold on, hold on. No, it's. I think it's Ty Conte. Ty Conte, yeah, at full gear, and then Ty Conte. Yes, and then that's, and then of course she has to get past this match, which is a no DQ match. Now here's my question: mm-hmm. Do we really have to acknowledge that it's a no DQ match? Because to my knowledge, and Elvis, please tell me if I'm wrong. I get to see a ref disqualify anyone for fucking anything in this company. I have never seen a. Can someone please find me a match that ended in a disqualification? In the two years this company's been in business, I've yet to see one. Literally, the refs, you know they, they cheat in front of the refs. Like, most of them don't even know how to not see what they're not supposed to see. Some of them have gotten better, but in general, why even make it a no-DQ match? The ref never rings the bell for the DQ anyway. Well, everybody knows that medical doesn't cover vision in AW. So, I mean, especially for the refs. Yeah, but I'm just saying, why even make it a no DQ match? Every match is basically no DQ because the refs don't have the balls to disqualify anybody. Nobody ever thinks to have a DQ finish. I'll tell you what, I'll take you up on a challenge. By next week, when we do another recap of uh, AEW Dynamite, um, I'm going to take a week to review this. If I do, I'll give you the dates, the people involved, and how many times it happened. I would love to hear that, and I'm being very serious. I need Because to my knowledge, I have not seen a, a match in AEW end in a disqualification. Oh, you know why? Because we're a great company. We don't like disqualifications. Boom! Mic drop. Fuck NXT. Yes. Uh, even for the refs, he covers for them. You, AEW, I hope you realize how loyal this guy is. I hope you realize it. Oh, I, I like spitting plates all day. Oh, God. All right. Speaking of spitting I plates. I spit plates for those motherfuckers every day. All right. All right well, Come next, at me. All right. Well, next to the next, what's the next plate? <laughs> Of course, we had the TNT Championship, your current champion, Sammy Guevara, uh, versus one of my new favorite people, all Eagle Ethan Page, man. Guys, like, Ethan Page is awesome. Um, I've been following him on his vlog. He is so freaking good. I love his personality. I love his gimmick. Um, He's been in the company for a long time. I just think he's so prolific in everything he does. And, like, getting to know him on a vlog, you know, him buying toys or – actually, that's how I met Danhausen. Danhausen? Danhausen, look up Danhausen, ladies and gentlemen. We're gonna talk about it in like the the variety show, but yeah. Danhausen is gonna be part of AEW. If you haven't, if you don't know, now you know. Look up Danhausen on YouTube. Watch his matches. Watch his videos. Get to know the character because when he comes on TV, it's gonna be a big fucking pop. All Ethan, all ego Ethan Page versus Sammy G. And let me tell you something, guys. Let me tell you something. This thing was. Vinny's fucking worst nightmare. It was uh, it was my moment of zen. I got to see Sammy G perform at a top level versus Ethan Page. And these guys had such great chemistry together. I had so much fucking fun 
watching the show. I charge Shooting Star Press from the top to the outside. I love the way these guys perform together. Some call it acrobatic. Some people call it flippy floppy bullshit. I call it trained professionals in the art of wrestling telling a story on the mats, on the outside. And if you didn't love this match or you don't really care for it though, then you're missing a heart or something is broken inside of you because this match was fantastic. I respectfully disagree with that. All I saw was a spot fest. And it was probably one of the fakest things I've seen in AEW. And the reason I say that is because of this. You just said a forbidden word. You just said the forbidden word. I said the forbidden word because that's how angry this made me. And here's the thing. I don't necessarily. You you get get mad mad because the sky's blue. No, I get mad when it's gray, damn it. Like, pick a color. What kind of mood shit is this? Anyway, my point is, I don't necessarily blame Sammy G. Although Jim Ross said one thing about Sammy G in this match that pretty much sums up how I felt about the match overall. And it was, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, Sammy needs to focus less on the aerial offense and learn some ground game and submissions. That summed up the match for me right there. And, and here's the problem I have with it, is the purpose of a match, whatever you do in the ring, I am supposed to believe this is a real fight. Even though I know it's a work, we all know it's a work, but your job is to convince me that it's not. It's like when you go see a magician. You know he is not a master of defying physics, but his job is to make his trick Whatever trick he's doing, whether it's something basic like pulling a rabbit out of a hat or something crazy like levitation, I'm supposed to believe that he is able to defy the laws of physics or defy logic, okay? When you see when you see a magician pull a rabbit out of the hat, what does he do? He has a little sheet on a table. He does the whole nut nut sleeve, dips his hand in the hat, and pulls out a bunny. Now, imagine if you went to the magic show and you saw a clear container with a bunny rabbit in it and you watched the magician put his hat on top of that clear container put his hand in there and rummage around for the goddamn rabbit. And you clearly see his hand in the container touching the rabbit. Is that a magic show you're going to you're gonna say was awesome? You're going to recommend that to people? You're going to pay money again to see that? No. You're going to go ask for your money back and you're going to be pissed the fuck off. Or I'll take another step further. Santa Claus. I hope you got no kids listening to this. So, otherwise, I'm about to disappoint all of them because guess what? We all know Santa Claus don't exist. We all know there is no hey, hey, jolly old oh, fat hey, guy with a, sm- with, with, with a snowy hey, white hey, beard hey. sitting in the North Pole making goddamn hey, toys. Hey, you son of a bitch. And that shit on his airwaves. There's kids out here. There's kids out here who knows damn well that Santa Claus goes on a chimney, regardless if they have one or not, and deliver fucking toys. You heartless bastard. First and foremost. Second of all, this was a fantastic match. I'm not sure what you're watching, but this match was fantastic. And there's one thing I failed to even mention. Bye. If Sammy Guevara was to lose this match, he'd be out of the inner circle. Yeah. That was a stipulation. Not only for the championship, but they got that too. And yeah, Sammy, Sammy Guevara did get the win. with knife pin, which is fantastic. But okay. I'm not sure what you're watching, Vinny. It wasn't just flippy floppy bullshit. It was a well orchestrated match. It was not fake at all. It was I'm no tell you what. magicians and you I'm know, gonna tell you why. And gravity. And the thing is, if you watch magicians, first what's that? I said I was gonna tell you why. You didn't let me finish. I'm sorry, I, I cut you. You did kind of oh, cut me off. I wasn't done. I was making a point that when the person when the person at the mall is Santa Claus, he's making you believe that he's Santa Claus. You're supposed to believe in what you're seeing. And like for and and, and like I said, I mostly blame Ethan Page. Because the motherfucker's stupid and don't know how to sell. Like, you know when you get in the ring with Sammy G, you're going to get acrobatic shit out of him. 
you hop, the dude hops from one rope to another rope to do a cutter. Now, if I'm Ethan Page, and you're standing straight up, and you're looking at a bitch jump from a rope to a rope, you're just gonna sit there and let him hit you? You're d either this is either this is scripted or Ethan Page is a fucking moron. Which one is it? Because it's one or the other. Now, if he had done no, what a wrestler not. is supposed to do and slowly get up and then kind of do a Mortal Kombat before fatality thing where you're a little fucking dizzy and you don't know where you are and then you get hit with a cutter, that's believable. Because you're trying to get your bearings and then boom, you get hit. But if you're just fucking staring at the motherfucker, clear as day, explain to you and, then hit, uh, and then the shooting star press. Very well done, shooting star press. But what does he do again? He does what every AEW wrestler does in this situation. They look at you and be like, I'm going to catch you. Come on. I got gotcha. you. Come to daddy. That's what the fuck they're doing. Let me, let, 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 let me spin this for you. Oh, please do. I think Ethan Page, I think Ethan Page was so impressed with the way Sammy G was running. <laughs> He was like, holy shit, there's no way he's going to hit with that one. And then it fucking did. So that's exactly what happened. Um, He was like, oh, he's running. Oh, he's running again. What the fuck is going on? And then Cutter. That's what happened. Um, Sorry to say it, though, but that's the got down the street. I spoke with uh, uh with uh, Sammy G afterwards. I'm like, dude, what's going on with that? He's like, dude, I started running. And he come after me, so I ran again. And I asked Ethan, like, dude, what happened? He's like, dude, I saw him running. I don't know what to do. I was like, I was going to clothesline him, but I was like, nah, he's too fast. I was going to hit him again, but I was like, nah, he's going. He's, he's, he's running out of energy. I thought he was going to tucker himself out, and he didn't. And then when he got the fucking stutter on him or like the cutter on him, he was like, and like in the middle of a cutter, he's thinking to himself, there's no one to hit me with this. And he did. That's exactly what happened. So, you know, sometimes, you know, us fans are easy to react and say, oh, hindsight's 2020. This is what I would have done. Or this is what a true wrestler should have done. But you're not in a moment. Sometimes you're just amazed by people just running. I would have been. I would have sat there in my underwear. I would have been like, damn, Sammy G's running really fast. He's doing it again. I should probably do something. And before I even fucking knew it, cutter, done. One, two, three. Wow, I. That's how you spin it, folks. I marvel at your genius, but uh. Thank you so much, cause uh, it's not easy. Yeah. Someone's gotta keep spinning his plates. But anyways, post match, uh, page attacks. Um, page attacks. The Scorpio Sky joins in the fun. The inner circle makes the save, which let's just say it's been a long time since we've seen the inner circle together. Uh, they manage to get away scot free. They're sitting on top of the ramp. Uh, Chris Jericho gets on a mic and calls out Scorpio Sky. Says, "You know what, those Scorpio? I'll respect you, son. Beat me twice." But since Sammy won, it'll be a 10-man match between Paige and Sky and American Top Team. And Inner Circle and Tony Khan have made the match for a Minneapolis Street Fight at Full Gear. So they're going to kick their effing asses. So that's what we had. It was a title match, but uh, Sammy G is going to have, uh, you know, the Inner Circle. First of all, they're together. Thank goodness. Full circle for a lot, you know full strength they're all like losing strong together we're gonna figure out which men of the year are in the year but america's top fight uh top team whatever is gonna come together so we'll see who it is and i can't wait to see full gear because uh whenever you have the inner circle together it's always gonna be a fun time and i can't look forward yeah. to it I, I can look forward to it and then dan lambert i wonder who's gonna pick for his uh remaining team the other three well jericho gets to choose them that was the rule jericho makes the choice on who is going to be facing america's top team now uh, he, he, Are you sure about that? That's what he said. Jericho gets to pick the three guys. They get to choose. Jericho yep. gets to choose. And then uh, next up to that, we oh, have no, no, a Tony let me, let me, interview oh. backstage. In a minute, in a minute, I got I got to say something first here. Um, okay, Jericho's okay, promo on. decent. It was a decent promo. Um, well, he started a chant. He started a chant. Yes, beat the meat. Love that. Beat oh. the meat. Beat the meat. Oh my god! Like. 
Jericho could get anything over. He could say, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables. Like, and people be like, vegetables, <laughs> whatever. Oh, my God. He got everything. He could, tell, he could tell a person who's been smoking for – he could sit there and tell a person who's been smoking for 30 years and say, just stop smoking. He'd be like, I guess I'll just stop smoking. He's got that fucking, like, Jedi mind power trick. I know. He's amazing. But So it was decent promo. Here's my – but here's my question. We're going to have a 10-man tag match five on five. Why are we making this a street fight? To, to quote a certain individual because that Elvis says, I like to that I like to emulate. You're putting a hat on a hat, essentially, is what you're doing here. We don't need this to be a street fight. This is an excuse for these guys to go to to do basically do the stadium stampede. Just go over here, over here, over here, over here, fight in different corners of the building, and then bring everything back. It's going to be say it with me, children, lazy booking. You had a great five-on-five -five match that was going to be fine the way it was. You're adding the street fight element so you can do extra shit that doesn't need to be done. It's it's too much chaos. It's too disorganized. And it's just, it's not going to go well. I completely disagree. You know why? So, I completely disagree. You know why? Why? Because I feel that five minute, a ten-man battles, five, five, five versus five Survivor Series series type thing ever. I think what it, like, I kind of get your point. It would, if it was an like elimination better i think that would have been way better having an eliminator type series on it if it wasn't i don't want to see people just standing there and like just waiting to come in because you try to go for a pin and you have like four motherfuckers want to get in there kick it off i don't think that's fun it's either eliminator series or it's going to be war games um sorry i i that's my inner regal in me i can't help it um but uh i, I don't want to have like just four motherfuckers on a mat on each side while two people dance you sit there, move around, and fuck with other people on the other side, and take one person out into the crowd, and take one person up into the ramp, and one person, uh, I don't know, just talking shit to the other team. I don't know, man. Like, to me, it makes more sense than having, like, you know, two competitors in a ring, four people on each side just sitting there and jumping up and down in their underoos. That doesn't do it for me. If it was Eliminator, maybe. But it's going to be, like, just traditional for me. So I'd rather have these kind of, like, wild and crazy rules. Now, Minneapolis street fight is a street fight. They get to wear jeans, right? That's like that's a rule. That's a golden rule. You got to wear jeans, or at well, least it, it's come as you to. are. Um, come as you are. So I mean, you can wear sweats. I don't give a shit. I, I really don't care. Um, you know, you know, Jake Hager is gonna go crazy because you know he's with MMA and stuff like that. So I think Jake Hager is gonna be a person to look for in his match because um, let's face it, he doesn't talk much, but his actions speak louder than words. And Jake Hager is a fucking beast. And having him go against other MMA people, whatever, it's gonna be great. So I cannot wait. That's gonna be awesome. Okay. So you were saying before about Tony Schiavone? Oh yeah. Well, here we are. So uh, Tony Schiavone interviews uh, Daniel Bryanson and our uh, Brian Danielson and Eddie Kingston backstage. Um, Kingston takes the offense to Daniel, saying that he doesn't work hard. He talks about his depression turns to anger, and his anger, and he's living his dream. So pretty much, he's pretty much saying like, you know, you Brian called him out for saying like he doesn't work hard. He doesn't. Um, and then uh, Kingston says you never walked a mile in my shoes. Um, you know, I had to truck hard. I had to sit there and scrape for everything I had. Um, he, he talks about having depression and his depression turns to anger. He's living his dream. He's done listening. He's done. He walks the fuck out. And Brian says, you know what though? That's the Eddie Kingston I fucking want, man. I want the fucking hard scrapper, but you're going to tell me that you're, you're the only fucking wrestler on this fucking roster who's ever had that scrape and crawl and kick and punch and fight and spit and bleed to get to where they're at. He's fucking mistaken. There's a whole locker room in the back who's been doing that. There's motherfuckers in the indies who's been doing that shit, though. So you know what, though? I want the best Kingston. If the pissed off Kingston's want to face them, I want the best because I'm here to fucking wrestle. Not, not do anything else. I'm here to prove that I'm the best. Mike Drop, Dale Bryanson, and God knows, everybody knows, 
Eddie Kingston's a fucking killer promo. But Brian Danielson killed it on the promo this week. Better than Kingston. I never thought I'd say that in a million years. But it just so happened to be fucking true. Yeah. I don't know. I like I liked Kingston's promo better. Fuck you, man. Like seriously, fuck you. No, I'm serious. Cause Kingston, I felt, you know, I, I feel I feel it from Kingston. Daniel Bryan, Brian Danielson, to me, it's it's the same for, to me, even though he's an AEW and he can do things a little bit differently, to me, same song and dance. It was not. I've heard heard this from Brian like numerous times. He he does this same style all the time. No, I don't want to sit there and like throw apples to apples or whatever, but like his promo style is different from WWE. It's not that cookie cutter, fall between the lines or whatever. It is not that at all. And don't get me wrong, when he first started off, he was like, yeah, I want that. I want that, Eddie. At first, it it started off kind of slow. I'll give you that. But then once he got into it, though, he laid into it. And you know when it comes to promos, Eddie Kingston, Eddie Kingston could fucking cut a promo on a fucking lava lamp and be a fucking amazing. Yes. I think he outdid him this time. I'm just telling you. Because Eddie Kingston, I'm not sure if you know it or not, but I think Eddie Kingston thinks like wrestling is fucking real. <laughs> and like everything he talks about is fucking life, is fucking real. I think Daniel Bryan did a way better job. It's our own opinion. You know, you have yours and I respect yeah. it. You're wrong, but I mean, I respect it. <laughs> but at the same time, like I thought Brian, I, I think uh, Brian Danielson did way better on this promo. And that's my own opinion. Cause I, I think I saw something different from what I saw in the past couple years. That's just my own opinion. Yeah. I'm just saying maybe, maybe because of the environment, it felt different to other people. It didn't feel different to me is what I'm saying. I'm not saying it sucked. I'm just saying to me, it's, it's Brian Danielson being Brian Danielson. Plus there's a part of me that feels like they're going to give the, they're going to give him the tournament win. And I would rather see Kingston. Do you want to give you my predictions for the for the champ for the for the brackets? Sure, go ahead. Brian Danielson versus Moxley at the end, and then what's going to happen is we have Moxley do a heel turn, and he's going to win the whole goddamn thing. How's he going to turn heel? I don't know. I think that's what's going to happen. I think he's going to go through all tournaments. Um, he's going to do some shady shit, whatever, where the crowd's going to go completely against him because you know everybody's behind Brian Danielson. So I think Moxley could do some underhanded heelish tactics to. Don't get me wrong. He's kind of like an anti-hero. He's kind of like the gray area. I think he's in the. I think he's going to fully embrace the heel persona. Um, because we've saw like an anti-hero kind of face, face kind of Mox, whatever. Yeah. But I think we're going to see like a full-fledged heel turn on Mox, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Um, and I think it's going to happen during like who's, who's the best person that's used than the lovable, you know, Brian Danielson? Because everybody's going to want him to win. Because everybody knows. John Moxley had that title already. Um, he's done a lot of crazy stuff, a lot of crazy matches, a lot of different things, whatever. I think what's going to happen is Brian Dallas is going to get pretty close to winning the whole goddamn thing. I think Mox is going to resort to like either underhanded tactics or let's just say heelish tactics that turns the crowd completely against him. He's going to get some fucking monster fucking heats, like nuclear heat. And Brian Nelson, you know, he'll get nothing but sympathy, but he's got it already. But it's going to be even more because Mox is going to resort to some, you know, dirty tactics that he probably hasn't used before, which is going to be imperative for the future. Okay. And that's the way I would book it. I mean, TK talked about it the other day, so... <laughs> Well, hopefully it comes to uh, fruition. So uh, what do we got next? The Lucha Brothers are interviewed backstage. And, of course, they're talking about FTR. FTR, currently your AAA champions up down in Mexico. Um, I guess Lucha Brothers want those championships as well because uh, although they are AEW champions, they feel like the AAA champions are really theirs because they kind of put that belt on the map. So uh, FTR is going to put their championships on the line at uh, full gear versus the Lucha Brothers for their AEW championship. So this is for a champion takes all match. The AAA and the AEW World Tag Team Champions on the line at full gear. Wait, wait, wait. By the way, go ahead. This is a winner take all match? Oh, absolutely, yeah. 
I didn't see that. Where is that? Let me, let me, I gotta check that. Hold on. It's 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 not on your thing, whatever. But that's exactly what's happening. Because from what I from what I heard in that promo, because I listened to the whole promo, they just made it seem like they were putting their tag team titles on the line. Nowhere in there did it say FTR was putting Triple A titles on the line. In fact, I'm looking right now at one of the title lists, and it says tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. It mentions nothing about Triple A. Am I wrong about this? I, I could be. I mean, uh, I've yeah. been known to be wrong, Cause that, wrong once. Because that was going to be my gripe with this promo. This was going to be my my Vinny, Vinny, Vinny has Vinny has something else. To, Vinny is pissed off about something else. It's that you're mad that you lost your Triple A championships. You're willing to put your tag belts on the line and just let the AAA belts sit where they may. That's again, who the fuck is in this production room? I was. I. I you know what though? I, you I, were there. It, it, didn't you... Get, it, it didn't get inked in. It was my mistake. Okay, I, I take responsibility for this. Okay, me and TK, we talked about it, and well, I didn't put pen to paper. I, I hit my CBD, you know, fucking weed pen, and zoned out. And you know, you guys could blame me for it. I'm sorry, guys. I fucked up. You know, me and TK, you know, we try to get things done correctly, but. So much things that happened in the past couple, in the past 24 hours, um, we had to do some instant hiring because of some things that happened, and me and TK had to go through the list and see who wanted to pick up. So um, it was my mistake, guys. Sorry. That that falls on me. Solely right. on me. I'll fall, I'll fall on the sword for this one. It's my fault. All right. Well, then I'm counting on you to fix it. I will. I will. I'll, I'll, I'll get it taken care of. Don't worry. Okay. Because I, I liked the pro- – because I, like I said, overall, the promo was great. Yeah. But the fact that they just said, like, oh, yeah, we'll put the tag titles on the line. And you're not going to ask for a shot at the AAA belts that you that's, got cheated out of? I, I told TK. I, I, I literally sold him the same. I was like, TK, you know, you know, uh, you know, winner takes all. And he was like, that's a great idea. Book it. Make sure you put on a piece of paper. And I did. And I did. But you know what, though? It was, it was on a napkin when I was eating my Jimmy John's. And I threw it away. And I was like, fuck. I didn't throw the last part in. TK's going to be so mad at me. All right, well, let's let's hope you can fix this before full gear, because I'm gonna have a lot to say if you don't. So now I know who to blame. Well, TK's gonna be like cut up. Like he, TK doesn't hold a grudge. She doesn't get mad. He's like a goldfish. When something goes bad, he learns from it and goes on and forgets about what the fuck happened. What that's the great thing about having a great boss like TK, you know, on my side, whatever. You know, it's a good atmosphere. I'm happy with it. You know, Um, it's good shit, pal. All right, pal. Well, what's next on the list? Well, next on the list, we got Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb for the TBS Championship first round match. And let's just say this, folks. This is a repeat match we had not too long ago when Hikaru Shida was supposed to get her 50th win. And guess what? It was blindsided by Serena Deeb. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Serena. This is the woman of a thousand holds is now what she's called. Yeah, I think she's took the moniker from D Malenko, which you know, who who don't you you know who don't want to get um, D Malenko to be behind you on this one? And by the way, did you notice Serena Deeb's outfit? Uh, no. Look kind of Bret Hardish, did it not? Like very Bret Hardish. Now that I think about it, kind of. I did notice some pink. There was a lot of pink. Like all she wore was pink, because typically her gear is blue. She wore pink and black and the white, whatever, with the trim, whatever. And oddly enough, here's what I'm putting the pieces together. She's first and foremost, this was the best match of the night. I don't give a fuck what anybody says. This was the best match of the fucking night. And CM Punk was on tonight. Oh this yeah. This was the match of the fucking night. Oh yeah. These two ladies killed it. This was very well yeah. done. It it wasn't well done. It was well executed. One of the best best women's match. I've ever seen in AEW, and it was on free TV, which 
surprised me. I'm like, TK, what are we doing here, pal? He's like, Elvis, we got a plan. I'm like, dude, we can't keep giving this shit away for free on TV. He's like, Elvis, I have a plan. I'm like, but TK, I don't understand. He's like, Elvis, I have a plan. I'm like, okay, TK, whatever you say. I mean, I will this say, match. in his defense, you don't know a match is going to be... This is the thing about people talking about, oh my god, these matches are great. You don't know the match is going to be great till the bell rings. No, that's true. That's true. But the thing is, like, so Hikaru Shida was supposed to be the first woman to get 50 wins on AEW roster. So that was pretty much, like, the gist of what's going on, right? Um, but the thing is, like, last time she faced Serena Deeb, it was cut short because they had a trophy. They had everything ready. for. Like, I think Jungle Boy got the first one for the men's yeah. because he fought during the pandemic. And same thing with Shida. She fought during the pandemic. That's how she got a title run, and she was well and beloved, and she still is. Don't get me wrong. She does. Um... But now she was so close to getting that 50 mark win, but she had to go through a fucking tough-ass bastard as Serena Deeb. And Serena Deeb is no slob, dude. She knows... I, I honestly think she is the best wrestler when it comes to female on the AEW roster. She is. Britt Baker doesn't hold a candle to her. And Thunder Rosa, she's pretty good, too. Again, she's no Serena Deeb. And here's the thing, though. I put two and two together. CM Punk and Darby Allen, when they had their last pay-per-view, had a Bret Hart slash one, two, three kid match. Remember we talked about that a couple weeks ago? Yeah, and it was it was like almost like move for move, shot for shot. Exactly, right? So you got that. And all of a sudden, Serena Deeb, she's got like a more heelish tactics or whatever when it comes to the match. So are they reforming the straight society? Because like, remember I talked about wrestling? They're all about factions. Serena Deeb's a legend now. I want to say a legend, but she's a veteran. Let's say that, right? Yeah, CM Punk, who's a veteran? What happens if, like, CM Punk decided to say, hey, let's start this shit up again. Yeah, Serena Deeb, CM Punk, maybe get Doc Gallows to come out and stop being with fucking Carl Anderson. Or maybe even pull up Carl Anderson and pull him away from the Bullet Club. Or from the, from the Elite, whatever. And start the whole faction again, but, like a way better version right now because it's an AEW. Because I, I'm i starting to see these little Easter eggs because AEW is all about Easter eggs when it comes to being the elite, when it comes to the wrestling product. And I totally see this happening where they're going to reform again because she, either she was paying homage like uh, CM Punk did or they're throwing little Easter eggs like, okay, well, we all have an affinity for Bret Hart. So let's... You know, we have history together a long time ago when you first got started. We're both veterans now. Let's make this place better and let's take over the fucking world. First of all, let's take out the elite and go from there. Hmm. That does sound something that could be done that's interesting. Uh, but aren't they not missing another person? Uh, but he's not going to be around, though. I, I mean, as much as I want him to. I love that guy, but um, Mercury, right? Joey Mercury, yeah. He was also in the Straight Edge Society. What's he doing now? I don't know. I don't know. Last I heard, like two years ago, he was in Ring of Honor. Yeah, but we all know how that went. Yeah, he was a producer, and then he and then he left, and like he signed on in May of 2018. And he left October 2019, and since that time, there hasn't really been much of him uh, around anywhere. No, I mean, like it'd be great to have him over there. I mean, like I mean, having a straight society in AEW, I mean, done correctly to its full potential. Yeah, I'm all for that. And did you also know he was in Lucha? No. Yeah, Joey Mercury was in Lucha Underground. Really? Yeah, he was there in 2018. Uh, do you remember a guy named Joey Wrestling? Joey Wrestling? Yeah. No, I can't say I have. I didn't catch up on my lucha. He was par apparently he was briefly part of the Worldwide Underground. He lost his only match to Matanza Cuerto, after which he was sacrificed to the gods, and that killed off his character. You mean he was sacrificed to Jeff Cobb? No, Matanza Cuerto beat him in a match, and then after that, he was sacrificed. I know, I know, I know, but Matanza was Jeff Cobb. Yes, I know. Yeah, I know that. I'll say he he lost to, he lost to Matanza, and then he was sacrificed to the gods, which killed and, and off his character. Of that, what the, what are, what are 
whatever fucking happened to fucking Jeff Cobb? He was signed. He was all elite. He was all there for like a cup of coffee and he was fucking gone. Honestly, the only match he had was the match we went to. Thank God we were there for that. Oh, yeah. That's where the roster was fucking slim pickings too, man. You know? Exactly. Well, anyways, we're, we're getting a cypher. So that's what we do. We, we wrestle. We talk about wrestling. Like, you want to just hear about the results. You want to hear about our thoughts, our theories. And then we go back in history and the fucking human Wikipedia here, Vinny Bucci, um, bring his vast knowledge of everything and nothing at the same time, which is amazing. So um, he carries Sheeta, did pick up the win, but Sheeta D made her pay for it. She did. She whooped her monkey ass she had that figure four in the fucking ring post she slapped that fucking knee up a couple times so there could be a good chance that yeah he carries shooting me a one she got the 50th win but she's always gonna remember that 50th win because that's the day that they pretty much fucked up her knee i mean she did that whole remember that bret hart thing he did in wcw where he put like the figure four into the the ring post um Serena Deeb did the same thing, wearing Bret Hart's colors, doing the same move that almost rendered, you know, rendered someone's careers uh, endless. So, um, Serena Deeb, man, you're telling a story out there. I'm invested, and here's the thing. I'm invested in a woman's story that's not reflected on the woman's title. I love it. Good shit, man. It was a good fucking match. Yeah, I mean, and it's and it's and it's for the TBS championship because that's the tournament. Because apparently they're giving the women the TBS title. Yeah, they, they need a mid title. They need a mid title because since they don't have a tag team, they're gonna give them like a mid mid uh, card title too. So okay, I mean, do we have an? I mean, do we have enough credible women to where this can work? Well, I mean, like you gotta keep in mind this is gonna take place not now because I think they're. I forgot what show is moving over to TBS. It could be Dynamite. I don't remember. Either Rampage is moving to T um the TBS or Dynamite is. But either way, like they have they have the roster. They have plenty of women when it comes to it. I mean, they don't have the tag team just yet. But I mean, a mid card title would make sense. I mean, if the men's got a fucking mid card, then we need a mid. I mean, the women need a mid card too. So by all means, well, I, I I'm, I'm all for it. If, if you're gonna... other title, it gets other opportunities for other women to go on TV and fight for something. Well, if that's the case, then here's what they need to do. They need to make sure the TBS champion, pay per views excluded, stays on TBS, and you make your TNT um, champion stay on TNT. And never you the two like shall that. meet. You know, I like that. I, you know what, though? I'm going to say that, too. That that sounds good. But the thing is, like, it's kind of hard because the TNT Championship is a mid-card. You know what? No, you know what, though? I agree with you. It, they should do that. I, I think they should make some exceptions from time to time, but make it a staple for that, for that station. You're absolutely right. Yeah, that way, and that that way it doesn't, that way there's not too many. Like, they need to, like, what they need to do is you've got, oh, especially now with all the influx of talent coming in. You need to have an A team and you need to have a B team. And you put the B team on that TBS show. Like I would say you move I would say take Rampage and put it on TBS and give it two hours. And put your B team on there. That way your C and D team uh stays on the YouTube shows where they belong. Yeah. So that's what I think should happen. So um all right, so what happens next? So backstage, we have uh, Leo Rush. He's uh, being uh, interviewed backstage with Dante Martin. Um, Leo says that uh, on Friday, Matt Sadell will learn a lesson. Um, and he's going to fight uh, Dante Martin. Now, have you had a chance to see Dante Martin wrestle? Because this kid is amazing. I... I think he, I think I saw briefly what he could do on Dynamite. Oh but... my God. This guy is so like, he's so energetic. When you see like the way he, he moves in a ring, the way he draws energy from the crowd and the pop that he gets from the crowd for the things he does. I mean, he's amazing. He truly is. Dante Martin, albeit being kind of small and he is kind of flippy dippy. So he may not be your style, but I think, I think if you watched him and see 
so you, you know how you said i know you Vinny. you don't care for the flippy dippy shit when it's done inconsistently but it doesn't have a reason but when it has a reason i know you care for that yes this guy is your guy ante martin is fucking amazing and i like leo rush being with him um i'm not sure how that's gonna really work out because dante martin does have a tactic partner who's currently out with an injury but leo rush kind of like being like uh the guy there for him this combination this kind of little thing kind of works for me i like leo rush i've always liked him when he was back in wwe he got some shitty shit whatever but at the same time he made a work i've always liked leo rush um i cannot wait to see what leo rush and dante martin i'm not sure if leo rush is going to be simply a spokesperson for this guy uh a manager per se because dante martin doesn't talk much but his actions speak louder than words so having maybe leo rush there to kind of sit there and um bring him to where he's supposed to get to i think it'd be perfect yeah i look at it like this if dante martin can cut a promo then i want to see him by himself Mostly because I am very anti-Leo Rush. I am not a fan of Leo Rush at all. His inability to sell things and... Just the fact that he is, you know, another one of those spot monkey guys that I can't fucking stand. There's a lot of reasons why I don't like Leo Rush, and I'm not a fan. I like Leo. I like Leo. Um, I, again, that's where you and I differ when it comes to styles of wrestling, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, yeah. you're wrong, I'm right, and I get it. I mean, it happens, but at the same time, like, Leo Rush, I like him. I think his character now here in AEW is a little bit different. Um, he's going to bring a lot to the table, especially with Dante Martin. Like, Brock Lesnar himself, right? Brock Lesnar is amazing in the ring, right? And he doesn't talk much when he does talk sometimes it's to the point and it's great um but let's just face it paul Heyman is a great ambassador for brock lesnar let's let's say it that way because he was and it still is and always will be roman reigns is great on his own he didn't need paul Heyman, but the fact that paul Heyman's there with him makes it even more that much and i'm not saying leo rush is not even close to the caliber of a paul Heyman. he's not even a thumbnail when it comes to Paul Heyman, but the dynamic, that the combo, I think it works for Dante Martin and for Leo Rush, yeah. and it just gives him a spot to do something. So I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily see Leo Rush doing the spots or the wrestling and stuff like that, but more as a spokesperson for Dante Martin. And you need that because so needs to, so needs to hype up Dante Martin, and I think a perfect person for that is going to be Leo Rush, just oh, because yeah. of if just Leo... the way he talks, the swagger, the way he talks, whatever. I think he could, he could build up Dante Martin bigger than what he what he is right now, and he needs to be built up. His wrestling acumen is great, but when it comes to the mic skills, Leo Rush get him to the next level. Yeah, I mean, if Leo is gonna talk and nothing else, then I'm fine with that. Because I will say this: every time I see Dante Martin, like when Leo Rush cutting a promo and Dante standing behind him, he looks miserable. He looks like a miserable, depressed, sad sack. Like I'm not trying to hate on him. I'm just saying he oh, looks okay. he looks miserable though. Like, do you even want to be on the roster, man? Like, you look you look like you hate... He looks how I look when I used to be behind the register at Lowe's. Like, Jesus Christ, when is this day going to fucking end? Like, he doesn't seem happy to be there. Again, maybe he is. I'm just saying, dude, give me some type of facial expression that you actually want to be on the roster. Because now, you look miserable. It's just... It's, 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 it's weird. Like... Like I said, I'm sure if I saw him in the ring, I think he's great. And I look forward to seeing him in the ring. And if he can cut a promo, I would love to hear him talk. I'm just saying the facial expression's got to change. Because if he's trying to look angry and menacing, he doesn't. He looks miserable and depressed. He's got to switch it up a little bit facial-wise. That's really my, right. my, my, my gripe with Dante Martin. But if you even want to call it that. But other than that, I'm fine. But as long as Leo just talks and doesn't wrestle, I'm fine with that too. This, I'm okay with this combination. 
I just keep Leo Rush out of the ring, and Dante needs to look more more menacing and less miserable. I got you. No, I I kind of get what you're coming from, but I, I, I give it time. I'm a patient man. I'm, I'm you know for me I'm not, I'm not a let's get this thing rolling, let's get this thing going. Leo Rush has only been back for a couple weeks, and um, I'm gonna give his due diligence. I think I believe in second chance. I believe in third chance. I believe in if you know if you got something to bring to the table and prove me wrong and i'll believe in you now if you get to a point where you just become stale you become stale you become stale you're not doing good i love promise i love seeing promise in people it doesn't matter how many times they fall down it's about getting back on that horse and getting back on everybody loves a good comeback story and leo rush is a perfect example of that if he could make this work here in AEW, and uh at least with his role with uh, dante martin because dante martin's a fantastic talent i hate to be wasted on leo rush but i believe in leo rush I think he can bring Dante Martin to the next level. That's just my own. That's my own. That's my own opinion. I could be wrong, but the thing is, like again, I'm a believer in hope. I'm a believer in uh, people, and I think Leo Rush, given his um, his circumstances with his previous company to where he's at right now, I think he's ready to make a change. Not only, I mean, not only for the company, but more for himself. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give the guy the benefit of the doubt and see what he can do. So I'll go. I'll leave it at that. Sounds good. So uh, what's next? Well, I'm going to leave this up to you, man. Um, we got John Moxley versus 10 from the Dark Order for the AEW World Championship. So I'm going to let you do it, though. And uh, I'm going to grab myself a drink. So if you could take over just for a hot second. And uh, I'll be right back. So uh, tell me what you thought about this match, Mr. Vinny Betrayal. All right. Um, this is one of those things where I look at the World Title Eliminator Tournament. And I ask myself one question. Why the fuck... Are you, is this person in this tournament? Because I didn't know how to feel about this. I'm going to be honest. I, obviously we weren't recapping at the time, but I did see the bracket. And obviously, you know, Tony's little dog Pockets is in the semifinals. The man beat Powerhouse Hobbs. That would have sent me into a fucking tailspin had we recapped it. But I'm confident that Moxley is going to beat Orange Cassidy. Because if Moxley does not beat Orange Cassidy, expect me to be the angriest motherfucker in the room when we do another recap. I may even tell Elvis, we got to skip this match because I'm not going to have anything nice to say if Orange Cassidy is in the fucking finals. Let alone wins the damn thing. But enough about Orange Cassidy. This is not about pockets. Um, so I'm looking at 10 from the Dark Order and going, why are you here? What the hell have you done to, to, to be involved in any world title picture? Why are you here? The only logical thing I can think of is so Moxley can get a, a win in the semifinals. Well, it's because, like, you know, Preston 10, he, I think he's one of the bigger characters in a Dark Order. Um, You got to think about it. Because I think it's like if they were going to use a, a, real, a true tournament, they would put John Silver in there. Because, I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a short guy, but he's stout. He's big. He's got plenty of energy. But did you really want John Silver to lose this match? This is a throwaway match. Yeah, 10 is not exactly up to par to John Moxley. He's not even close to it. At the same time, Vance is pretty good. But the thing is, like, um, 10 got decimated in, like, short time. Um, that's all it was. They're trying to build a narrative. They want to sit there and show John Moxley. This, this is back to my narrative I said before. John Moxley's going to cruise through this fucking tournament. Yeah. And the thing is, like, no one's going to pay attention to it. Everybody's going to pay attention to everybody else on it. Everyone's say, John Moxley, oh, he's a brute. He's a beast. He just trucked through whatever. I think when he gets to the end with, Daniel, with Brian Danielson... It's going to tell a whole different narrative because no one was keeping their eyes on Moxley. They 
expect Moxley to win. So Preston was just more like um he was a Brooklyn brawler for this match. He was just a jobber to take a pin to make Moxley look strong, get out, and no one keeps their focus on him. That's it. That's all it was. Makes sense, I guess. I mean, I, I I'm gonna be honest. It did scare me because, like I said before, we we had powerhouse Hobbs that, again. Powerhouse Hobbs lost to Pockets. So it was not outside their own possibility to think that 10 was somehow going to win this. Like that. So I'm really hoping, like, are they about to dick this up again? Thank God they didn't. Common sense and logic prevailed, and Moxley made quick work of 10 and moved on. So, yes, thank you to the lot to the gods of logic that they blessed this match with the way it was supposed to go. So, so what happened next? And then, next we had, and then uh, we had just like another back the, uh, uh, interview backstage. FTR is back there. And I'm talking about when they attack, it's been a year since they won their tag team belts. Uh, they're coming from them. They're current champions right now. And they're going to go down in history as the best tag team of all time. That seems to be a better moniker. They got new t-shirts out, which look fucking amazing. Um, can't wait for that. Um, Lucha Brothers versus FTR. Um, full gear. I know I'm watching it, I think. Maybe I think if it's it's on a Sunday or Saturday, you know, it's on the it's on the thirteenth. I won't be able to see it because Buff and I will be at a show that day. So unless it gets canceled, I'll have to wait the next day to see a uh, full gear. But um, if, but if you're able to see it and you and Des can knock out a recap, that'd be great. Shit, it's on a Saturday. I'm gonna be in Tennessee that weekend. Fuck. Oh, you are? Okay. Why is it every time there's a pay per view? It's always when I go to a fucking vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I told TK. I told TK this shit. What the fuck, man? Yeah. So I guess we'll. I don't know. Maybe we can watch it on. Maybe we can watch it together on Sunday. Something, dude. Yeah. Something. Because like I said, I'll be in a. I'll be in Clover, South Carolina that day. Clover. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, next we have Cody Rhodes. He comes out to the ring and um comes out with this fucking amazing music. Comes out from underground. Goes out there. Uh, he gets on a break. Whatever. And Cody Rhodes, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but he cuts great fucking promos, man. I think he really gets the heart of it. Um, he goes out there and says, believe it or not, he hears us. Online and otherwise. And for a brief moment, when he had Malachi's black arm hooked for the Tiger Driver 98, he thought uh, about hitting a very different move, which he was thinking about the pedigree. Don't know why, but he did. Um, and then what happened to when he hit that move? He was steered and broken the covenant, not the challenge for the world title. If you're going to boo the narrative, boo the true narrative. And don't forget the man who built this company. He takes off his shoes and throws it at the fucking crowd. He's like, why don't you put on your feet and walk a mile in my fucking shoes? He talks about his family, but not taking it easy while. And uh, he apologizes to everybody. He was like, I know you guys think I'm in Hollywood, being too big for my britches, doing whatever, but I'm never going to fucking turn. He says, I'm not going to fucking turn. He apologizes to everyone. He says, it's an honor to stand in the ring with Arn. He shakes his hands. And, you know, I think this is the first time where a wrestler actually truly addressed the fans. It's like when he had his fight with Malachi, everybody was truly behind Malachi, which who wouldn't, right? He's like, dude, I've been hearing you. You guys been booing me. You guys been doing this. You guys think I'm too I'm too Hollywood now. I'm more focused on everything else than wrestling. You know, try walking a, a mile away of fucking shoes. I got a wife that's way too hot, way hotter than I am. Uh, she's too hot for me. I got a kid I don't even deserve. And like, it was like the most humblest thing I've seen in wrestling. Like, he acknowledged the fans. Like, literally, he acknowledged the IWC. He acknowledged the people in the audience. He acknowledged the people who are watching TV. And take it as you may, I think it was like one of the best promos he could on there. 
He's like, dude, I've been hearing you guys. I've been hearing you guys online. I've been hearing you guys fucking like talking behind there on a dirt sheet. I've been hearing like you guys talking. I, I read them. I see what's going on. But remember, I built this motherfucker. I told you I was going to challenge for the title because of this and that, though. I'm not going to fucking turn because I have my reasons. Almost like a John, John Cena-esque kind of thing, whatever, you know? It's like, it was very John Cena-esque. It was very John Cena-esque. Like, he's not going to do it. And I think it was, like, the best thing I've ever seen because he addressed the crowd. Like, he addressed them. Like, he was like, I feel like Cody was, like, directly talking to me, like, Elvis, I heard you. I heard what's going on. I'm like, dude, I was in a meeting with you. Like, you're like two chairs down. So yeah, you should have <laughs> fucking heard me. But no, nonetheless, like, I think it was just done so well. It was so weird because like, yeah, he was panning to the crowd, but it was so surreal because you you really don't see this in wrestling modern days. So it was really cool to hear. And obviously it gets broken up by Andrade El Idolo. <laughs> Makes his way to the entrance. He's like, Cody, I get you, man. You are the same. But here's the fucking difference. You care about these motherfuckers. I don't give a shit about them. He was like, Quit making your stupid fucking mistakes. Like one of all, like one of all, your stupid fucking neck tattoos. You keep doing the same old shit. Um, I don't know. Andrade is fucking amazing. Coming out there, calls him on a stupid tattoo. He says in the comments, "Little bitch," but it was kind of cut out because his timing wasn't too off. Lights go out. Lights come back on. Malachi Black is in the ring. He spits the fucking tobacco juice all over fucking Cody Rhodes. <laughs> and then who makes the fucking save? Motherfucking Pac. Pac makes the save and runs rough shot. Sits crisscross applesauce in the fucking ring, flicking everybody off. <laughs> I never thought I wanted to see Pac and Cody Rhodes as a tag team against Malachi Black versus Andrade, but motherfuckers, here we are, and it is fucking great. Okay, uh, I enjoyed this promo immensely from Cody. Uh, he addressed everybody, including Cornette himself, old wrestling managers online. That was definitely a shot of Corny. Um, I like the fact that he addressed a lot of things. Uh, I like the line, you know, you give credit to the guy who signs the checks, but remember who built the bank. Love that line. Oh, I love that. That's perfect. Walk in my shoes, throws the shoes into the crowd, does everything. The two Hollywood thing, there's a variety of reasons why fans are booing Cody. And... A big part of it, a big part of it is Roads to the Top. And the reason people are booing that is not because it's a reality show, not because they tried to go the route of Ms. and Mrs., but just the simple fact that that reality show took a giant shit on the wrestling business in ways that even the most hardcore AEW fan is like, Cody, what the fuck, bro? Like, literally. I've heard there were people who were so mad. It got mad to the point where old school motherfuckers wanted to boil Cody alive and sell his fat for soap. They were that fucking angry. I feel like the words of Cornette are just spilling out of you right now. Let it go. Let it go. Let it out. I mean, literally, out. like you're you're literally like like and I, and everybody. There's one thing to have like a reality show that shows backstage shit, but you're pra you were practically handing everybody your fucking blueprint, like. You're watching guys, like, be insecure that have no business being insecure. Brandy, who pisses off everybody in the wrestling business. Like, I think Brandy is more hated than Stephanie McMahon could ever dream of being. Like, literally, you're, you're seeing two girls. I think it was Jay Cargill and somebody else. I can't remember who the other girl was. We're fighting in the back. And Brandy was actually trying to tell them, like, you know, you don't want the fans to think you hate each other. Yes, they do, you dumb broad. That is the whole fucking point of the goddamn business. The fans are supposed to think they hate each other. You are friends in the back, but when you go out to the curtain, you are 
Fuck this bitch. I want her spot. I want her to die. That is exactly what you want the fans to think. And if two people have a problem like that, you don't sit them down and do some bullshit peer mediation from fucking middle school. What do you do? You let them go. You let them go in the back and sort it out. Old school. There's the ring. It's an empty building now. There's the ring. Go sort it out. Talk it out. Fight it out. Do whatever you gotta do, but make sure when, by the time you leave that ring, this is done. It's like that Briscoe Brothers fight where the dad was saying, you good yet? You good yet? Time to get back to being the best tag team in the world, but first, clean this shit up. That's old school. That's how you solve a fucking problem. You let them talk it out, you let them fight it out, but don't do this whole kumbaya, heal the world bullshit. That reality show was such trash, and that is why people didn't like Cody for the longest time. That's why he's getting booed, because he's basically being one of those guys that's trying that, that that's, be, that's using the business as a stepping stone to go to Hollywood. Now, if he's saying that's not the case, and he's going to get his eyes back on the fucking prize... Okay, I love the fact that he did this promo. That's exactly what he needed to do because he was pissing off fans for a shoot because Cody's not a heel. So he's not out here trying to get his heat. He's getting legit booed because they hate him and they don't even hate him because he wins all the time. They hate him because his heart is not in the business. Now with this promo, he's trying to tell us, no, you're wrong. Sorry, Booch, my heart is in the business. Okay, and if that's the case... Then going forward, you and your wife need to fucking show that. Because right now we're not seeing it. And I and it makes and what makes me so angry about this is that Cody, and I've said this before and I will say it again until I'm blue in the face, out of all the EVPs, Cody knows better. I expect better from Cody. I can't get mad at the other three kids for acting like children because children behave how children do. It's like getting mad at a dog for barking. It's what dogs do. You know, it's so crazy because, like, you know, you have a great show like AEW and you could still find someone to get pissed off about it. Like, you could still be pissed off about it. I just don't fucking get it. <laughs> I wish I could. I, I just, wish I could sit there and get behind you on this or whatever. But, like, you, that's your perspective on what you think it is. But I think it's something a lot more, a lot, way more better. I ain't gonna lie to you. Um, I think, yeah, people are pissed off about Cody about a lot of different things, whatever. I mean, you know, the whole John Cena thing, whatever. But I think Cody is great. I think he is good on the mic. I think he's good in the ring. And, um... Yeah, the road, the roads thing. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never watched it. I, I, I'm not gonna sit there and watch. I, I'll never watch reality TV. I watched reality TV when it first came out. It was one reality TV show I did fall in love with. It was called the Joe Schmo Show, and it was a show about everybody being fake and one real person on there. I never got into reality TV. I would never start. I don't even fuck if like CM Punk had one with him in April. His or uh, what's her name? Um, AJ Stout or AJ um, AJ Lee. AJ Lee. If CM Punk himself, which you know I love CM Punk. If CM Punk decided to have a TV show called Live in Chicago with CM Punk, I would not watch it because I don't <laughs> give a fuck about you know uh, the reality TV. I don't. Uh, CM Punk would be the truest, the realest motherfucker. He could sit there and have like you know uh, Cliff Compton and I don't know. It won't be Cole Cabana. But, like, he'd have a whole bunch of his buddies all hanging out and talk about shit about wrestling. I would not watch it because it's reality-based. It's reality, t- reality based. I couldn't watch it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. It could be Adam Cole and Don Callis, which you know how my affinity for Adam, you know, for Adam Cole or for even Kenny Omega. If Kenny Omega had a fucking TV show, a reality TV show, I would not watch it because I am not a fan of that style of TV show. Now, I know chicks love that shit. A lot of guys like it, too. I, there's no back and forth, whatever, but, like, I would never watch that shit. 
Cody is building his brand to be better. Yeah, his heart's not in wrestling right now. He started a company. He started a fucking company. He is the bank. Like, there's a bank, and there's a person who made the bank. Yeah, he's the person who made the bank. He's doing different moves to build his character, but not his character, but his brand and the fucking bank that he built. So, to me, Cody could do no wrong at this current point because he's an EVP. He put the stipulation to not put the belt on himself. He didn't want to be a Jeff Jarrett. Let's face it, Jeff Jarrett was the fucking worst. <laughs> he started Impact and made himself champion for fucking like how many years? And we ought to deal with it. Fuck Jeff Jarrett. Right in a fucking ass. <laughs> he wanted to go that route. He was smart not he, to do it. He was. Where the Young Bucks, they want it. Kenny Omega, he's currently champion. Hang on to the page. That's the best, the, big, the best story being told right now. But what did Cody Rhodes do? He took the humble route out. Because he knew, maybe maybe, maybe he knew a long time ago he couldn't do the stuff that he wanted to do and wanted to give his friends a chance to get that championship. Because let's face it, when Cody does turn, which it will fucking happen. I talked I talked to him. I was like, I was like, TK, when are we doing this whole thing with Cody? He's like, not yet, Elvis. I'm like, TK. He's like, Elvis, I have a plan. I'm like, motherfucker, make it happen. He's like, Elvis, <laughs> this isn't WWE. I'm like, okay, you're right. You're right. You're good. You're good. Okay, cool. I love how TK is just browbeating you in these meetings. Well, like, he brings me, he, he, he grounds me. TK really grounds me. He's like, Elvis, take a deep breath, say who saw. And we sit there, and he we, we do this little song and dance. He's like, Elvis, what is making you mad? I'm like, I want things to happen. He's like, Elvis, it's not the way it works. Long story time building. And he's like, Elvis, have you ever stopped? He's like, Elvis, this is what TK said. Best words Tony Khan's ever told me. He goes, Elvis, have you ever saw stop motion? Like claymation or action figures come to life, but like stop motion. He's like, is everything like given to you right away or is it given to you little bits and clips but all pieced together? And I'm like, well, yeah, obviously, because it's stop motion. You got to stop and move and stop and move. He's like, Elvis, we're not a machine like the WWE where the cog keeps spinning and they just keep adding random people and needlessly. Everything has a purpose. Every movement, everything you do, you stop, you look, you make a decision and move. Everything is stop motion. Stop, move, stop, move. And some people can't get that. Elvis, I thought you were smart in this. I'm like, TK, don't bring my intelligence to this. He's like, Elvis, you know better than this. You're the guy who's spinning plates for me and you can't get this concept? I'm like, motherfucker, Tony. If you weren't so smart, I'd hate you right now. But he knows better, so TK's my boy. And, um, yeah, that's all I got to say about that, I guess. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm going to write a book. It, it, it's, I'm going to write a book one day. It's, gonna call, it's called TK and Me. Be perfect. <laughs> okay. Um. Sounds good. Uh. Let's see here. Um. But yeah. So there. That was a good. So yeah. So like I said, I liked the promo from Cody. I just had to get some shit off my chest. Don't get me wrong. But um. And then Andrade comes out. Another motherfucker I can't stand. Um. Whoa. And then. And then. But then Pac comes out, which is great. I love Pac. Pac. He's, he, like, he's, he's the like guy the that can do no wrong card. in my eyes. He's like the best wild card because like you don't know he could show up like he's like he's like Kramer, right? He just comes through the door and like it's unexpected, but as soon as he comes out, it's like, yay, it's <laughs> it's Kramer. I love this so much. Oh, yes. Like he brings that energy, like that that real fun, hardcore thing, whatever. I love Pac so much. He's great. He he's fun in meetings. He looks serious on TV, but he's great. You should see him eat an apple. He's he's great. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Pac is Pac is definitely the man. In that regard, uh, I, I look forward to this tag match at full gear. I think it's great. And then, uh, so Elvis, I take it there's uh, one more piece of business in AEW. It's time for the main event, ladies and gentlemen, boys oh, and God. girls. You paid your ticket. Now take the ride. You paid for the full seat, but you'll be sitting on the edge because now we have the Dark Order, Cole Cabana, Evil Uno, John Silver, and Stu Grayson versus the Elite, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, and the best tag team in the world, Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. And by, oh God, do we have ourselves a Halloween time. And you know what, though? 
I failed to mention through the whole podcast, this whole thing, which is close to two hours, was the same amount of time it took to produce the show. But people were dressed up in Halloween costumes in the audience. And of course, the main event had to bring just that. We had Stu Grayson coming out as the God of War Kratos. Um, we did have uh, Stu, uh, Stu Grayson. John Silver was dressed up as some mustachioed bastard. Uh, we did have, um, oh, I'm sorry, John Silver dressed up as a reindeer. Uh, Evil Uno was dressed up as a cowboy. And Cole Cabana was dressed up as who? Do you know? Brandon fucking Color. It was amazing. It came out and I popped so fucking hard when I saw Cole Cabana dressed up as Brandon fucking Color with the jumpsuit, with the Nate, with the face mask, and two little spray things, whatever. I'm like, okay, okay. Here's my money. Take it. It's the best thing in the world. I thought that was pretty cool first, right? Yeah. And then the fucking elite comes out. The super club comes out. And they come dressed up as the Ghostbusters. And they had the Ghostbusters theme, but they changed the words to say, who are you going to call? The elite! But Dude, it was perfect. I, I, I was fucking marking out so fucking hard. It was great. And the Pro 10 packs... It wasn't a cheap ones you buy at fucking Walmart or at fucking Target. No, 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 no. These were actual fucking proton packs and it looked fucking spectacular. And plus their their uh, uniforms had their names, Kenny, um, Adam, and Nick and, and, and Nick and Matt. So it was it was fucking great. Yeah, it was very, 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 very good. Yeah. I love your enthusiasm. Bring yeah. it in. You know that, that that's the enthusiasm I live off of, baby. Yeah. And there's a match in the ring and it don't look good. Who's inside of it? The elite. Dun, 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 dun. And that part will be edited out for future purposes because Vinny <laughs> is an asshole. <laughs> well, well let, let's just say this. You have your own opinions. That's fine. You can take it for what it's worth. But, like, listen, man. I love this match. I'm not going to go line for line, word for word, whatever. But this was so much fun. And just another thing. Michael Nakazawa was dressed up like as an inflatable baby. Oh, God. And they had the um, someone, which we all indicated, was Brandon Cutler in a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man costume. So this match takes off. And there's, I mean... There's so much fucking action. I mean, way too much. I mean, it was so much fucking fun. Um, you had, uh, there was one spot I didn't really care for. Um, I think me and Vinny talked about it earlier off air, um, where everybody's running around shot. There was a spot where everybody's in their spots, whatever. But for some reason, the, um, Dark Order was all sitting there back to back trying to face each other off or trying to fight off the elite. Um, they all got hit with super kicks. When they're standing up like Mortal Kombat style, when they're all groggy before a fatality, um, the elite decided to do the whole like um, they were they put on their proton packs. So the thing that pissed me off about this was the fact that Dark Order just sat there like idiots, just sitting there like, oh, oh, I'm so hurt, but I'm just groggy. And I got to sit there and look at it. Kenny Omega was like the the head honcho to college. Like on a count of three, everybody jump. One, two, three. That was pretty fast the way I said it. But in reality, it took time for those motherfuckers to put their proton packs on, get organized, and do the count of three. And they did like some kind of like, imagine like a stinger splash, but like from like um, every corner going in towards the middle. And instead of like going face first, they did it backwards so the proton packs hit them. That point, I was like, okay, that was really fucking stupid i didn't really care for it other than that though this whole fucking match was awesome because there was like so many near falls so many like it was like i would call it chain wrestling but like it was constant wrestling like it was like move after move after move after move after move it was fucking beautiful um i thought it was pretty awesome a lot of v triggers obviously because who doesn't um, towards the end, Uno uh, hits Netbreaker on Nick, V-Trigger on um, 
on Cabana, referee Knox gets laid out. Stu uh, gets from other mats. Uh, there was a low blow from all the Dark Order boys. And then uh, Cole Cabana got fucking, let's just say, let's just face it. He got he got choke slammed through, a, like, all, all the fucking proton packs. Um, and towards the end, they had some guy running down in a fucking uh, horse mask because it, I guess at the beginning of the match, they had, like, this horse, like, like two-person, like, you know when you watch movies and, like, there's, like, two people in a horse costume? Well, all you saw was the head running down to the ring, whatever. When he got into the ring, they decided to sit there and super kick or V-trigger the fucking, um, the head, whatever. When they took the head off, it was Brandon Cutler, and his mouth was duct taped. When they took off the mask of the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, which I never thought in a million years I would say that, he buckshot Lariat, the fucking Nick Jackson, and then he got his hands on fucking Kenny Omega. I think this is one of the best things I've ever seen, and I'm going to give it a pass because it's Halloween. Costumes, gimmicks, whatever. I was totally cool with it. Um, Dark Order wins. And not only that, though, I never saw the Dark Order. Not, everybody knows they, they've had this little split where, you know, after Kenny or after Hangman and Page left because he couldn't win the championship for his boys, whatever, um, he took some time off, obviously, for his kid. But for story-wise, the Dark Order was split up. In this match... I've never seen them more cohesively together, like doing spots, doing poses. And um, I absolutely loved this segment. It was so much fun, except for a couple of spots, but didn't take away from the overall feel for the match. And I, I was I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. That was great. Vinny, go ahead and try to trash this if you can. Well, before I do, I have to address something. Go ahead. The spot you didn't like. I found intriguing. So you didn't like the spot because they took too long to make it work. Uh-huh. And the guys just stood there. Yep. Hmm. I wonder. I find that intriguing because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I believe I said that about a certain TNT title match that took place earlier. Oh wait, wait! Oh wait, wait! You're right. And let me let me spin that plate for you again. Oh, so, I gotta hear this shit. I'm, so I, I gotta hear this. What happened was when they got the V triggers to the face, they were groggy. So you know, like when you pass out and you wake up, you're like, "Oh, where the fuck am I?" Like everybody has their moments, right? Um, I think what happened was the Dark Order woke up from the V triggers they have received from or super kicks from everybody, from Adam Cole, from Kenny Omega, from the Young Bucks. I think what happens, they woke up. They're like, "Hey guys." Back to the wall. Let's try to fend these people off. But I think the thing was, they were so intrigued by the proton packs, they sat there extra longer to take in the fact that they had proton packs because they're more indulgent on their own costumes when they first came in through the entrance as opposed to what happened at the end. That's my that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. If I am ever in trouble with the press, I am hiring Elvis. I'm going to say that right now. That this you is like going to be. Yeah. Oh, you are so my PR guy. I'm so doing that. That was good. That was good. I don't buy it, but it was good. <laughs> you get. I love it. That's a good. I, can, I, can I love do this it all day. I, I know. That's amazing what you just did. So, and it wasn't even the V trigger, it was the BTE trigger. <laughs> um, oh, I'm amazed. And so, my. Here's the thing I liked. The, the only reason I am not giving Adam Page shit for being the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man is because A, he was infiltrating the elite, and B, he still looked badass when it was said and done. He whooped that ass. He boy. whooped ass in the in the he costume. That ass. Got the costume off, and the elite retreated. So that's why Adam Page can get a pass. Now, I know Elvis wants to give a pass because it's Halloween, and normally I would do the same thing, but here's why I can't. Because the elite 
act like children 24 7 365 it's it's like the difference between a person who doesn't drink often but on their birthday or a special occasion they do a, they do a couple shots they get a little liquored up they get and they have and they wake up the next day with a really bad hangover you don't really give the person shit because they're well behaved the rest of the time but if you got somebody i, I won't say the person's name who gets plastered daily or all the time when you're with them, you don't really give them a pass when they cut loose because they're not really cutting loose. They're doing the norm. This was not the elite cutting loose. This was the elite doing the norm. Being the immature children that they are, and every match they have is like going to the circus. So if this is if they were if they were grown men the rest of the year and said, Hey, it's Halloween, we're gonna have some fun. That's fair. When you act like this 24-7, 365, you're not having fun. You're being yourselves. So I, I'm not giving them a pass for dressing up like the Ghostbusters. Fuck you. That's fine. I'll take I it. Li- I, li- I listen to I li- I listen to your NXT bullshit. No, give them a pass. Do it. I'm not giving them a pass. The NX- NXT guys act like they act like adults. So they're allowed to be kids for one day of the year. They act like adults take year round. They're not adults. Take it back. I will not take it back. Get back. Not happening. Buddy, I'm, 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 listen, let's let's be friends, okay? We let's are friends. We are friends. I love you, man. I'm, not, I'm still not taking it back, but I love you. Love you too, brother. You're the best, but I you're the you. worst at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and the Dark Order got the win, which is even better, because God knows they needed it. But not only that, though, I think, like, you know, the, the coming together, the solidarity of the um, the Dark Order, first and foremost, brings a, it skips a beat in my heart, which, you know, I love, I love a love affinity for the Dark Order, first and foremost, because we all pledged. We got on one knee and we pledged. Um, second of all, having Hangman and a page come full circle with the Dark Order coming back and him having his chance to win a championship, it's perfect, man. And you, you, you want me to give you some spoilers? What's going to happen at the next pay per view? Um, sure. Spoiler: Hangman and a page is going to win. Obviously, right? We know that, right? He damn well better. Oh, you know what's going to fuck him over? You, you, do you know who? Do you know how what's going to happen? How Elvis's crazy conspiracy theory comes into play. All right. So you think it might be the Dark Order. You think it might be Frank Kazarian. But you know who's really going to fuck over King Omega the worst? Who? John fucking Moxley. Huh? Yeah. Do you know why? Why? This is my theory. Okay. Again, you know how AEW likes to plant seeds. So during that Bell Casino Royale for the number one contendership for the AEW championship. Now, again, this is just conspiracy theory popped up from my head. It could be right. It could be wrong. TK hasn't really approved it, but who knows? This is what I came up with. During the Bell Casino Royale when... Uh, Mr. Hangman on a page was the uh, mystery entrant for it and actually won it. Now, remember the last spot, the last minute, the last 30 seconds of that match. You know, Hangman and Page is going up the ladder. John Monty is up there. They're fighting each other. They're fighting each other for like a brief second. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden out of nowhere, Moxley said something to Hangman on a page. And Moxley just simply fell off the ladder. He simply just fell off the ladder. Okay. And Hangman on a page won it. But if then, again, again, I'm, I'm throwing the narrative that Moxley's going through this tournament unscathed. He's going through this tournament without anybody looking at him. They expect Moxley to win all these matches. He's doing things. He's planting seeds for the future for what's going to happen next. I think because of that tournament, Moxley, I think if I was to be a betting man, he said, you got this. I'm coming for you later. Jumps off the ladder, falls down, plays dead, and then Page wins it because it's a redemption story for him and Page, right? To get him out of his solace. 
the story narrative between Moxley and Hangman and Page is like, hey, listen, I was a champion. I got fucked over by Kenny like the way you did. But the thing is, you're going through a tough time. Me being a good guy, I know what it seems like to be in a tough time when it goes to alcohol, when it comes to having friends, when it comes to this and that, though. I prefer being a lone wolf. But at the same time, I saw you going through a tough time. So it'd be easier for me to take down you than to take down Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega is going to be on my own because once he fucks over, once he fucks over Kenny Omega and lets Hangman Page win it, he's probably going to have one or two contenders before Moxley comes back and says, "Hey man, the ladder match, I let you win it." When it came to your title match, you wouldn't have that title without me, and I want to get my revenge on Kenny Omega. I want to make sure he had his full focus on me without the title. Now he's out of the picture. You're mine, bitch. That's what's going to happen. Okay, I like the sound of that. It's it sounds like it's crazy. I'm picking up these Easter eggs that Moxley's throwing, and the thing is, like everybody's sleeping on Moxley, which they shouldn't be. But he's taking some he took some wins, he took some losses. But Moxley is coming to a new character. He's coming into like this whole heel turn. It's gonna come full circle because, dude, who's not behind Hangman on a page, and who better try to dethrone him than fucking John Moxley? So whenever that does happen, now I believe Hangman on a page will defeat John Moxley eventually when it comes to that. But a narrative that's been planted now can be made into segments later on on the line. I'm talking about like three to six months later online so i'm excited about it all right um i like it i i i'm intrigued to see where it goes uh i just hope that if it does lead to eventually moxley versus adam page that adam page does not become a transitional champion adam page needs a run with this title well, he's gonna have a run he's gonna have a run. the thing is like with these storytelling, these story building events that they have in AEW, these events are not just like, you know, a couple one shots or one or two pay per views. Now, we get to add a benefit from AEW where we don't have as many pay per views per year. So you can have a program that lasts for a very long time and have a blow off at a pay per view and then wait until the next one till we get the title, the, that title contendership. So, um,. There could be a lot of animosity between Adam Page and Moxley in the next six months, let's say a fucking year. And people will be invested because of the storylines of the little the little seeds they're planting right now and let it come to fruition within six months to a year. I'm, I'm, I'm invested. We'll see what happens. Because as much as I love Kenny Omega, that title is coming off of him like the next pay-per-view. I love Kenny Omega. I think he's great. But he will be dethroned at the next pay-per-view by Hangman Adam Page, by Hooker, by Crook, by the Dark Order, by Frankie Kazarian, hell, even Crook. Christopher Daniels. I'll throw it out there just for fuck's sakes. But really, I think the the missing component that people aren't really focusing on is John Moxley. I think that's gonna be it. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll see what happens because uh, unless there's anything else, I think that's the end of AEW. It is. But um, we have one last thing to kind of cover, which we all know we all love so much. We have our rankings. So actually, it does matter here in wrestling. God damn it, it's still real to me. It's still real to me. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's so get to those rankings. So your rankings as of Wednesday, October 27th, 2021. Of course, you got your grand champion, the best champion in the world I've ever seen in my whole life. I would, you know, Kool-Aid off his balls. Everybody knows that. Um, you got Kenny Omega, um, your world champion. Um, you got your TNT champion, Sammy Guevara. Uh, number one contender, actually, we know is Hangman Adam Page. Number two, we have Orange Cassidy. Number three, we have John Moxley. Number four, we have Miro. And believe it or not, we were talking shit about him earlier, but uh, he's actually the top five in the contendership. Ten from a dark order is in fifth place at 14 and two. Holy shit. I know. He must have got a lot of dark matches done. I don't know. Whatever. Um, next, we have your current women's champion. You have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Number one contender, of course, you have Ty Conte. I would eat her asshole. She's amazing. Uh, number two, you have Jade Cargill. Number three, you have Chris Stanlander. Number four, you have Thunder Rosa. And number five, you have Nyla Rose. And last but not least, we got your tag team rankings with your amazing tag team champions of the Lucha Brothers and Ray Phoenix and Panda El Zero Merdo. For that, we have FTR. Number two, you have the Young Bucks. Number three, 
have Jurassic Express. Number four, we got Private Party. It seems like they never really go anywhere past that. And number five, we have the Acclaimed and Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. And that is your current rankings for AEW as of October 27th, 2021 for this week's show. So, Vinny, anything you want to plug? Anything you want to get out there uh, to the people of the world uh, listening to the podcast? Of course I do. Uh, basically, all I'm going to ask you guys to do is follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor. Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcasts. So pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or you can be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, make sure you like us on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash theboochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content, including, at the time that we're recording this, this got released earlier today, part two of Brian Pillman from the uh, Boochcast Reviews Dark Side of the Ring recently hit so you can check it out it's on the facebook page right now part one is also there if you want to if you haven't seen part two i mean if you haven't seen part one listen to part one then watch part two uh then you got of course the male soap opera moments up there as well you can hear wens and i give our predictions for crown jewel find out who was right and who was wrong who was wrong and who was right uh before we eventually do our next uh episode to air at a later date also make sure you guys are following us on twitter and instagram at the booch casket latest tweets photos and videos uh we recently posted some photos up there we won't talk about this now we'll probably get into it during the variety show uh elvis recently went to a concert with zach we got some pictures of that up there um and hopefully i still have to get approval from the wife but we are hoping to get uh some photos uh from john john's wedding john tumblin our nxt correspondent uh tied the knot earlier so this month uh him and his I wife miss him so much i miss him so much i miss him more than like most of my relatives i ain't gonna lie to you i know uh he said that he said that he uh will not be able to make it back to the booch cast itself until the first of the year uh he- Yes, we got hit with that because uh, he had an un- he had some unexpected uh, incident happen at his house. I won't say what it is. I don't know if he wants that made public. Oh, poor guy. But he's dealing with some stuff right now. Uh, but he said the first of the year he will be back. He needs time to uh, get. He also needs to use that time to get reacclimated to NXT 2.0. Uh, so he doesn't want to come in. He doesn't, as they say, he doesn't want to come in half cocked. He, he prefers to be full cocked when he does his I recaps. Him. I miss him too. So we look forward to his return. Um, so we will be uh, dealing with that. But anyway, we were, we are hoping to get some um, uh, some uh, photos from the wedding. But I have to get approval from the wife because even though John is an open book, his wife is kind of protecting her anonymity. That's why I'm saying his wife and not her name because she's very much protective of her anonymity for job reasons. So I need to get permission from her before I can post them. So if I get the approval, I'll post it. If not, I can't do it. But, um, but so that's what you can see on Instagram. Also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. You can check out our archived wrestling watch parties, our D&D one-shot, funny skits. I have a Halloween video coming out this Sunday, so you guys can check that out. I made a, I made a special uh, Halloween video with the Boochcast cast team that will air on Sunday so you'll get a chance to see that um and you all you gotta do is hit the subscribe button and ring the bell to be notified when it comes out because like I said before we have the two Brian Pillman videos coming out next week will be the ultra violence of Nick Gage is gonna air and then hopefully we'll have the collision in Korea next then we got the ultimate warrior the Smith family and a bunch of others that are coming out soon uh some we have to record uh some of them are ready to go but um Either way, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Get all the access to the content. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv 
slash the boochcast. Uh, that's when we do our live wrestling watch parties. Our next watch party will be Sunday, November 21st for the WWE Survivor Series. Uh, obviously, because of the in- because of the incident, John unfortunately will not be able to host, but hopefully we can find a hosting place in November. Whether Elvis does it or I do it or whatever, or Desmond does it, we will figure out how to get the Survivor Series watch party for you guys, but it's Sunday, November 21st. Follow us on Twitch. You also will also be providing on our Twitter page a link where you can see the pay-per-view because we can't show it on Twitch for all their bullshit legal reasons. And of course, make sure you support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can contribute at. Prize is coming soon. The first level, you can contribute just 99 cents per month. That's the first level. All you gotta do. Just 99 cents. Not a lot, but every little bit helps. So 99 cents, if you can't break, if you don't have a lot of money on you and you don't want to break the bank, we would never ask our fans to do that. Obviously, bills are more important than us, but you can just send 99 cents our way. That way, you know, it's, hey, here's your little contribution while you take care of your lives. But if you got some extra spending cash, by all means, go to the next level, which is $4.99 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys aren't real big fans of the Peacock, so bring that money over here. We got better content than the Peacock anyway. Or you can go to the final level, which is a mere $9.99. That's right. Same amount of money we used to pay for the network here in the United States. You can use that. We bring that money over here since uh you know we don't have the network here in the states. Got nowhere to put that nine ninety nine. Send that nine ninety nine over here. We got better content than the network anyway. You can pay with a credit card or with GPay, and the money you guys give to us goes back into this show. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests. We pay our bills. And I take care of my guys who work very hard on air and behind the scenes to make this show possible. So if you love what Elvis does and you feel like he deserves to be paid for his work, anchor.fm slash boochcast slash support is where you can go to help make that happen. And if we have any money left over, the remaining cash goes to feeding Zach ramen noodles and trying to get him laid. God so, bless. Absolutely. So Elvis, before I officially wrap this up, do you have anything to plug, sir? No, not at all. I, actually, you know what? You know, no, I take it back. I take it back. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have been following the dirt sheets was going on or recently. We're going to talk more about uh, on a variety show. Um, I, there's a if you guys are AW fans and I want to get you prepped right now before he comes on TV. If you don't, you don't know what the fuck's going on. There's a wrestler named Dan Housen. Dan Housen. Learn it. Love it. If you go on YouTube, it's called Love That Dan Housen. Uh, this guy has been, uh, his popularity has been growing on, on the internet exponentially. Um, it's a character that it's going to be soon enough. It's going to be on AEW because it's official. It happened today, this morning, via Twitter from um, my best friend, Tony Khan. Um, he gave me a list of wrestlers we wanted to sign on. I know, like, hey, that's definitely one of them. There's going to be some more, which we'll talk about in a variety show. Uh, but Dan Housen, get yourself acclimated with him. Get get to learn his gimmick. I tell you this, he is so entrancing. Um, you want to watch his videos every day, even though it's just just follow Dan Housen. It could be on Instagram. It could be on YouTube called I Love That Down Housen. Dan Housen. Watch his matches. Watch his promos. Watch him open up toys. He's a big Marvel collector. So if you guys are uh, Marvel fans out there in DC or just things like a pop culture uh, like Space Ghost, Coast to Coast, and all that stuff, whatever. Though he collects toys. Um, he gets um, toys from toy companies for things he wants. Uh, the character's really fun. It's really great to get behind. And then when you watch the character, he's going to be on your TV screen soon enough because he is now all elite. Um, get to know him. 
get to know the character because once you do, you'll be like, oh my god, an Elvis guy. He was he was fucking dead on about this guy. If you guys know who he is, you guys know. If you go, if you don't know, watch him, get to know him, get to love him. He'll be on your TV screen soon enough. And if you get it from the get-go, it's gonna be great from day one. If you don't watch it, then you're gonna fall in love with it eventually. But it's better to be on a fast track and know it before than be left behind. So I'm not promoting myself. I'm promoting a certain wrestler named Dan Housen. So um, he's got stuff on Chris Van Vliet. Uh, he's got one with Chris Jericho. I mean, I think even Sean Waltman, the X-Pac, he has an interview with him as well, too. He does a lot of great stuff. Get to know the character. So he's all about. And when you watch him day one, whenever he comes in, it could be next week. It could be, fuck, it could be Friday. It could be uh, when you're watching tonight. It could be on Rampage. But whenever he comes on, you'll be like, oh, my God, this guy is pretty fucking amazing. So um, Dan Housen. Love that. that his YouTube page is called Love That Dan Housen. D-A-N-H-A-U-S-E-N. Dan Housen. You'll love it. Love it. Leave it. Buy a t-shirt. Support indie wrestling. Absolutely. And uh, until next time, this is uh, Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Booch Cast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Hey, too late? Too early? I don't know. Pizza, baby. Oh, you motherfucker. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>